Welcome to this edition of Farmers Inside Track, South Africa's leading agricultural podcast. My name is Dawn Numdu. This episode is powered by CropLife South Africa, emphasizing the importance of food safety and health for all South Africans. Our mission is to educate consumers like you on the effective pest and pesticide management within your homes. Joining me now is Dr. Gerard Verduren, Operations and Stewardship Manager for CropLife South Africa. Gerard, welcome back to Farmers Inside Track. It has really been so fruitful to have you with us over the past few weeks. We've gotten so much insights from you in terms of proper pest disposal, pest management, and everything that's integrated around you know, pesticide products and using that safely. We have you back and I'm so happy to be able to pick your brain once again. Thank you very much, Dawn. Now, Gerard, let's start by addressing the importance of proper disposal. Why is it so crucial for farmers and other pesticide users specifically to pay close attention to how they dispose of empty pesticide containers and leftover products? Let's start with the empty pesticide containers or what we in generally call the pesticide packaging because that is something which happens on a day-to-day basis at the farm level, at pest control operator level, and also at consumer level. Remember, we're not working with normal stuff that sits in a packaging like a pesticide or like an HDPE container or a paper bag. So we're working with other substances that are carried around in some form of container. And if that container is not properly cleaned or properly call it decontaminated, it remains a hazardous waste. And then not only does the articles of the Waste Management Act under the National Environmental Management Act, but there's also a grave risk to people and the environment if that packaging or that container is not properly cleaned. So there's a legal obligation upon all of us to make sure we clean all the packaging properly. But there's also the ethical one to make sure that we don't pollute ourselves and the environment and the people around us and the wildlife with that contaminated packaging because somewhere you are going to be killing some little organism or a big organism that you never even heard of if your packaging goes down into the environment or ends up in a dam or is used by, worst of all, by farm workers who pick up an empty container and they put their beer or their drinking water and the cooking water in that and they get wiped out. And I've seen this so many times in my life where people become poisoned or animals become poisoned because of containers not being properly cleaned. So that is the reason why we focus so hard on the proper cleansing and decontamination of all types of pesticide packaging, whether it's a large-scale one in a 20-liter container or whether it's a redenticide pack. So that is the one thing we've got to talk about. The other one is when any pesticide becomes, the general word we use is obsolete. Now, obsolete might mean that it has expired. In other words, it's no longer fit for the purpose because it's not of the same concentration and physical and chemical properties as it was when it was manufactured. Or it might just be that somebody doesn't want the stuff anymore or the government decides to, for example, prohibit something, which happens now and again, and you're not allowed to use it anymore. Or you just discover, like happens on many farms, people buy a farm, they open the farm shit, and there's something which has been standing there since the 1940s or 1950s. So these are all examples of operative pesticides. And those things are 10 times more dangerous than pesticide packaging, which is not properly cleaned, because in many cases, we don't even know what is in the container. So according to the FOO specifications for pesticide waste, we regard any uplift pesticide as of the highest possible risk to people. In other words, we call it H8, highly hazardous pesticide. And that's why there are certain rules, again, under the National Environmental Management Waste Act, 
in terms of how to contain it, how to safeguard it, how to dispose of it. And we have to warn people that it is a very serious criminal offense to burn or to bury that particular old pesticide anywhere in the environment. That's what we did for years in the country until the Environmental Department came along, published new regulations to, to guide us on the responsible disposal of pesticides and pesticide packaging so that we can still continue to use our pesticide without causing any harm or any danger to the environment. And of course, this heavy regulation is necessary for the safety of all of us. So I think that's extremely important to understand. When anyone is listening to this, thinking maybe it's an annoyance that there's too many rules around it, but it is vital for people's lives. Just you sharing those examples, Dr. Verduren. If we can just cross over to the steps that should that pesticide users should take to ensure the disposing of these materials properly. We have gone through some of this in our past episodes, but I really want to emphasize this again and share more of this information with our listeners. It doesn't matter whether we talk to a farmer or a consumer or a pest control operator. We all work with pesticides. So once your packaging is reaching the point of empty, in other words, while you're busy mixing up your spray mixture on your farm or in your own home and garden, there is going to be a little bit of pesticide left in that packaging. It might be a high-density polyethylene bottle. It might be a shaker tin. It might be a cartel box. Or it might just be polypropylene foil bag. What we recommend then what the rules are, are the following. You have to triple rinse that empty container and decant that, that rinse water into your spray tank. Many people don't understand. They often get the, the question even from auditors who ask me, but what do you do with the spray water? Because that's also not poisonous. Yes, it is poisonous, but the purpose of the triple rinsing is, first of all, that once your container is empty, you drain the container over your spray tank for 30 seconds to get all the last remaining bit of pesticide out, the, the visible pesticide. Then you fill it up with one quarter of this container's volume and you shake the container for 30 seconds and you decant or use you, you empty that rinse water into your spray tank. So your toxin or the pesticide goes into the spray tank and you repeat that rinsing process three times and normal analytical science, which has been there for ages, shows that if you do triple rinsing of a container like that, you remove over 99.9% of all the pesticide from the container and now you've got all the pesticide that you paid for in your spray tank to apply to the target, which might be a crop, it might be a garden, it might be in the home. And you've got a container which is now regarded by the law and by the SA National Standard 10406 as a nominally empty container, which means it is now not anymore a hazardous material. And then we tell people in order to prevent anybody from picking that container up and using it for any food or beverages, we want them to puncture the container. So you cut the container with a sharp knife or you puncture it with a pickaxe so that it is useless for anybody. And then it must go off to one of the CropLife SA certified recyclers, of which there are 182 in the country. And that list can be found on our website, which is www.croplife.co.za. If you click under container management, you will find all the guidelines there for the tropolins. You will also find the list of the current recyclers that are available all around the country for every man and for any woman in the country to make sure they dispose of the intercontainers properly. And the wonderful thing about, especially the bulk of our containers, which are high-density polyethylene or HDP, is that it's a highly sought-after plastic. Of course, plastic cycling industry love it because it's a very good quality plastic. They clean it up properly with steam process everything. They go through a whole process of decontamination, melting and making little pellets, and they make new pesticide containers, or they make other things like irrigation pipes or 
refuse to take from it some from itself. In other words, it's an absolute waste to leave an empty container somewhere in the home or the garden or on a farm because that becomes the livelihood of somebody else. So we bring the plastic into what we call the circular economy. And that's why we hammer so hard on triple rinsing. Triple rinsing is the main principle for empty pesticide containers. And if you all do that, we take the risk away from ourselves and the environment of any contamination. And we create a job for other people. I can tell you, in our network of 182 recyclers, I think there are 250 people that are the owners or co-owners of the business. But around them, there are thousands of people that make a living out of these empty pesticide packaging and containers. It might be cardboard boxes. It might be polypropylene bags. It will be HTPE. There's even aluminum canisters. So it's actually a wonderful thing. We are certified by the Department of Environmental Affairs to collect those and to dispose of them properly. That is the one thing about the empty containers. Now, when it comes to absolute pesticides, that little play field becomes totally different. Because back in the old days, it was allowed to take that off to a landfill site. And you could go and dump those old pesticides in the landfill site. Now, obviously, it was the wrong thing to do for all ages. Again, luckily, and I take my hat off to the environmental department for being so forward-thinking in terms of this. They prohibit the dumping of any toxic waste into a landfill site. First of all, otherwise you end up with these landfill sites that are completely toxic. So what the law says to us, and that is the, the Waste Act, is that you can only dispose of hazardous waste like absolute pesticide through incineration. And we have an incineration facility in Olifonsfontein that does all the work for us. And we do have to pay for that. But CropLife has a mechanism to take care of those things. So if anybody has any absolute stocks, again, whether it's at home level or farm level, they should go onto our website and look under that little bullet which says container management. There is a guideline on what to do with your pesticide because your duty is then to make a list of what you got. To contact CropLife or contact the company, tell them, this is the list of what I got. Give me a quotation. You take it to them. They burn it properly and you get a disposal certificate. And I must tell you, I visited the company again last week and they are super duper. They're on first world standards and there is no emission whatsoever from the place because they got special scrubbers. So we are first world technology in terms of disposing of optic pesticides and also disposing of empty containers. We just need everybody from the youngest to the oldest, from the farmers to the housewives, all to participate in proper disposal of empty pesticide packaging and optic pesticides. Then we would have won the war. Now at this stage, I can tell you in terms of our packaging, we are about the third best country in the world. I want us to be better than Brazil, which is going to be a mission for us. But we're working towards that to get all our packaging off the farms and recycled and to make sure we start collecting opulent pesticides and dispose of them through the company in Willefontsfontein by thermal incineration. You have, Dr. Furlewaren, in part, you know, answered the next part of my question. And you have touched on it a little bit in parts throughout our conversation. But what happens, you know, when it comes to leftover pesticide products? Surely they contain potent chemicals that can pose serious risk if not handled correctly. Can you maybe explain that? Does it go through the process that you just explained with incineration? How does that work specifically? No, incineration is the end point of the life of that chemical. So if a chemical becomes obsolete, now let me just put it into perspective here. In the crop life family, we have biological substances and chemical substances. So whether we talk about the biological substance that becomes obsolete or a chemical substance, we all regard them potentially dangerous substance. So it might be chemical, it might be a biological, like a, an old bacillus, Thuringiensis or whatever. 
first of all, what you need to do, you need to know what is in the container. So we tell people you have to draw up an event. Then you've got to do safeguarding. In other words, if there are any containers which are compromised, like leaking or broken, you put them into thick gauge polyethylene bags. You seal them up, you seal them with duct tape, and you make a big red cross with paint or with a big cokey pen on that. It shows then that is toxic waste. Then you've got to sort them out. In other words, when I go to a place with a lot of obsolete stocks, we normally take all the dry material to one part of the store. We take all the liquids to another part of the store. Then we sort out, for example, all the carbamates, all the organophosphates, all the pyrethroids, all the herbicides, all the fungicides into different parts. So once you've sorted that out, then you pack it into a container, and that container may only be transported then by a company who has certified vehicles and certified drivers who transport hazardous substances or what we call dangerous goods, and they go off then to the thermal facility or the thermal incinerator, and then the clever chemical engineers then sort the stuff out because they got to work out what is the calorific value, in other words, the energy value of the commodity in the container, and they make up a blend or a mix of all the substances that go into the incinerator, and they burn them. And the burning process is very interesting. It's a double battle. They call it the afterburn process. So first of all, they burn the chemicals or all the biologicals for that matter at a temperature of 840 Celsius. And it goes back into a secondary burner, which burns it at about 1,040 up to 1,100 degrees Celsius. Then any of the gas it might come goes through a seven scrubbing process that any possible toxin is trapped there. And only what comes out the other side might be a bit of carbon dioxide it might be a bit of hydrogen or the hydrogen oxide, which we call water for that matter. And it's a very clean process. So it's not just a simple process of incineration. So it is, first of all, making sure that you know what is in the container, then the safeguarding, then the sorting, then the transportation, and then working out at the facility what can go with what into incinerating. Because it's a constant feed process. And they've got to put it into incinerated to burn it up properly. And at the end, the only thing they get out are little briquettes of charcoal which is then used for other energy generations somewhere else. So it's a very interesting process, but that is the only way that's allowed in the country for disposal of pesticides. It may not be burnt on the farm. It may not be buried on the farm because you can never create a fire hot enough to burn them effectively. And if you do try and burn them, you create secondary poisons like dioxins and dibenzofurans, which is highly, highly carcinogenic and toxic. That's what we say. From a crop life perspective, the only way to do it is the right way and to take it to the company in Willefontein, which is called Athermal, and they are the only licensed company to deal with chemicals of this nature. And I trust them. They do a lot of work for us and they do it the right way. Thanks for that breakdown, Dr. Fertoda. Now, if we talk about what happens on farm level, what should farmers, you know, ensure when it comes to pesticide uses, especially around, you know, education of these proper disposal practices? And does it happen just that one person is in the know about it. Should everyone be aware of it collectively from owner to, you know, someone working in the administration office? What is the procedure around it? Well, Dawn, the procedure starts a bit higher up in the value chain. In other words, according to the new regulations for hazardous chemical agents, which came out in 2021, the Department of Employment and Labor places an onus on the person selling the pesticide to inform the client about the hazard and about the precautions of the chemical. First of all, in other words, if I cannot sell to Dawn a particular chemical, I could inform Dawn about the hazard and how to mitigate any possible risk by wearing proper personal protective equipment, by mixing it right, etc. But what the regulations also say 
I must inform Dawn on what to do with the empty container at the end of the life cycle of the product. In other words, when your product is now empty, on how to triplicate and how to bring it back into our circular economy with recycling. But I also have to inform Dawn what to do when there's any uplift pesticides in your farm. In other words, you've got to make me a list. You've got to send the list through to CropLife essay. CropLife will guide you what to do with that chemical. So it's not just the farmer or the owner that has an obligation. It's also the crop advisor or the person, the retailer, who sells it to the person to tell them what to do with a chemical at the end of the life cycle. And then I think we should really hammer it upon all the farmers understand that if they have uplift pesticides in the farm, it came uplift after the 24th of April 2023. That is now regarded as the responsibility of CropLife essays. So we have to make a plan to get that particular pesticide off the farm and we have to make sure we dispose of it properly. But I'm not going to take anything which is older than that because that is the farmer's property. But the rules say that once we got registered as a product responsibility organization, we have to take care of uplift pesticides that became uplift after the date when we got registered by the Department of Environmental Affairs. Our members contribute to central fund. We have to manage the funds appropriately, spend all the funds on waste incineration and waste recycling. So CropLife will certainly help our farmers and our consumers in the next couple of years to rid the country of all the uplift pesticides. So I would like people to call me. My number is all over the place, but I can give it to you. It's 082-446-8946. And what I like to tell you is that many farmers and even many homeowners come and call me up and say, what do I do? I guide them, they contact Aethermal, they take their chemicals there, they pay the few rand, get it disposed of, and you get a happy farmer, you get a happy client, and you get a happy environment. And I do applaud members of society and our farmers who've done it this, thus far, but we are prepared to help anybody in the country to dispose of the pesticides correctly and to make sure they recycle the empty containers appropriately because of the fact it generates a lot of income for a lot of people that hadn't, didn't have a job a few years before. I love how accessible you are, Dr. Fedora, and you're just like out there sharing all of your details and very present and very aware of the need that there is within the space. And I think it's very clear that raising awareness and education around this is very crucial. It's a very crucial component of the solution. And I'm also aware that Crop Life South Africa plays a leading role in this. Maybe you can just share more about the work that you do in this regard, specifically around this awareness and education that you're driving. We offer so many training courses. We are doing a training course again later this year for state officials of Northwest Province. Between myself and the rest that have been on your program also, we've trained, I think, more than 90 of the officials of Limpopo. And apart from Gauteng, we're training more of them in October last year and the year before. I trained over 350 officials. We do farmer workshops. We do radio interviews. We do articles in the agriculture magazine. So we pump the public and the farmers out there with information on what to do with your anti-packaging, how to tolerance it, how to make it reusable and recyclable. And you also tell them what to do with your uplift pesticides. So awareness, I think, forms the base of the pyramid of the whole waste management cycle. So if people aren't aware about something, why would they do the right thing? I do not blame people who don't know about how to triple and stuff and how to get rid of all pesticides. And it is CropLife's duty to make sure that we inform every person in the country, doesn't matter where you live or what you do for a living, on how to do the stuff in the right thing. And what I find extremely exciting and cutting for myself because of my poison center and getting all the calls from people about poisoning and mostly about 
how to use a pesticide. I always talk to them about what to do with the empty container. And I'm absolutely stunned to see how people just, you can see on the other side of the phone, you can actually hear the stars going up in their eyes. And people say, but they never knew about this, but they can certainly do it and participate in the recycling of the empty containers. And also when they get an old pesticide, they will call me up and ask me what to do. So awareness and education is something which you can never do away with. And when I lived in Israel in my younger days, my postdoctor, I worked closely with the conservation department. They told me then that if you want to make a practice institutionalized in somebody's mind, you have to repeat that message 17 times. So CropLab, I think they have repeated the message now very close on 17 times or not, if not more. But we have to educate everybody, especially at farm level, because many of our farmers allegedly don't know about the triple rinsing and the empty containers. But I can hardly believe that because we've been busy with this for the past 15 years. So it's just a case of we need to go out ballistically, make sure it doesn't matter whether you're a small operator or a large commercial farmer where you own a food garden or a normal home somewhere in the countryside. It is our duty to inform our society out there that we have a solution for you to make sure that our pesticides and our pesticide containers do not contaminate the environment and end up in the oceans and kill a little fish or a dolphin or an albatross somewhere because it is not necessary. We have a solution. Cropland's duty is to tell people about the solution and to help people to take the solution and make it a practical solution. What a pleasure to have you join us here on Farmers Inside Track. Dr. Gerard Verdoren, Operations and Stewardship Manager for Crop Life South Africa. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. From me, Numdu, our technical producer, Megan van der Fendt, and the rest of the hashtag Team Food for Mzanzi, thanks for listening. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.